Writing new personal stories and tuning into the divine. That is today's show. Welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 359. I have the wonderful Dr. Karen Louise joining me on the show. And fun fact, I came across Karen's work on Insta and was watching a few of her videos and thinking, gosh, she's got such a fabulous high vibe, this woman, without sugarcoating challenges that come up in life. Uh, and I really uh, am enjoying it. And then boom, her publicist pops me a note and says, I really think Karen would be great for your show. And I believe in those kinds of signs. So that is Karen here today joining us. And uh, she is by background, uh, a P- she holds a PhD in counselling and education. And so she's blending that background uh, with her spiritual gifts as a medium, as an intuitive Uh, She helps people experience big transformations Uh, and she's super obsessed and you can just feel it in everything she does with helping people release the programming of their past. Now, many people don't realize, thanks to the work of Bruce Lipton, Dr. Joe Dispenza and people like Karen uh, helping us realize 95% of what we do is programmed by the time we're in our 30s. It's all a result of programming, habits that form beliefs, that form ways of doing things, that form, well, this is how it's done, that form, this is how I respond to this sort of conflict. Uh, And it, it really is quite frightening, but at the same time, an incredible opportunity if you're a lucky enough human to realize it and actually start deprogramming. Now, that doesn't always mean you're going to be living a completely different life in six months and you don't have to be terrified of that, but today's show will show some of the ways that we can start tuning into our intuition more productively uh, and feel empowered by that process and feel perhaps like we have more agency and we have a bigger voice to say, this doesn't work for me. And so if that sounds like work you want to do, you're going to absolutely love today's show. So I'll hook into that in a little minute, but of course we can't do the show without our wonderful sponsors. Our sponsor this month is BioFirst and you have 15% off Australians, Americans and New Zealanders with the code LOWTOXLIFE. Uh, So head to the bio-first.com.au and then it'll prompt you if you're in a different country for your, um, your website. Uh, And I want to highlight the Manuka Skin Saver because this is fantastic for psoriasis. A lot of people who have psoriasis have been saying that it works better than their medical creams that they had been prescribed in the past. And I also want to highlight it ahead of sun season here in Australia, especially we have a really harsh sun. And I actually use Manuka Skin Saver often as my night moisturizer if I've been out in the sun that day. And the reason I do that is because the ingredients in the Manuka Skin Saver make it a perfect post-UV treatment. Uh, 
because you also have, of course, you might have heard in the past when I've talked about the product, the post-radiotherapy treatment. So it is a very good uh, healer post any kind of radiation. And of course, the sun is a form of that. Uh, so use it as a night moisturizer and feel the difference. It's really fabulous. So 15% off site-wide, Lotox Life is your code. And of course, a shout out to the eczema peeps. If you haven't tried their ultra sensitive skin rescue lotion, that's another one to check out as well. Our major sponsor, Oz Climate, as well with the code LOTOXLIFE, you get 10% off their already discounted prices. And uh, I'm a huge fan of obviously their whole range. And now they have a portable air conditioning unit as well. Uh, and what I love about it is they've actually designed it in a way that you can remove and vacuum a dust filter. Uh, most portable air conditioning units allow a lot of dust to get sucked into the unit and then mold starts to grow in there. So you end up only being able to use it for a couple of years. And I love that they've designed theirs this way. You also have, of course, your dehumidification strategy for the summer ahead, uh, for the winter ahead if you are in uh, the northern hemisphere. Please check out local brands of good quality dehumidifiers. But here we have Oz Climate, thank goodness, because they're so powerful. I've actually got the 50 litre running in my bedroom at the moment because I noticed it got up into the high 60s this morning and I just wanted to dry everything out. Everything just started to smell that awful Sydney humidity summer smell of where you just can feel, and maybe it's because I'm more mould tuned these days, but you can feel that there's a higher microbial rating in the air. I sound like such a dag, but there is, I can smell it. And so just drying everything out, it just creates this fantastic, crisp, fresh air feeling. None of your sheets feel tacky or humid. Uh, and we actually contribute a lot of humidity in our daily lives, as well as humidity seasons climactically. And a lot of people think it's just water damage, but it's not. And prevention is the best medicine for climate and human impact humidity. And so please, 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 if you don't have a dehumidifier yet, make the most of your 10% off code uh, with Lotox Life, ozclimate.com.au. Get yourself sorted ahead of the summer. Don't wait to see mold and then think, oh gosh, what should I do? How should I clean this? Prevent it instead. Much better for landfill, much better for health and much better for your uh, money not having to replace shoes, bags uh, and storage items that you might have in a wardrobe where it gets a bit musty. I actually did an Instagram reel on this last week if you want to check out a bit more information about the prevention strategy I use. So there you go. Let's have a listen to this awesome show with Karen. Enjoy. Hello, Karen. How are you doing? Hi, Alex. I am doing great. I can't wait for our conversation. Oh, I'm so excited to chat to you. And I was, I, I did a bit of a binge feed as awesome. I prepared for our interview. And I was both intrigued and incited, excited because uh, I really feel like a lot of people, I'm not even just going to say women, I know that's who you uh, talk to in the main, but 
a lot of people feel so disconnected at this particular juncture. I think it might be we're a good decade into heavy uh, social media reliance um, for connection. And I feel like that's created a bit of an after effect. And a lot of people are lost. A lot of people don't feel like they can trust themselves anymore, right? We're so hyper externalized in what we take to be the right thing to do or the best protocol or the this or the that. Right. So yeah, it's a lot of information, right? right. Reading through it. Right. Yeah. And you're right. It's not just women. I mean, I will tell you as the years go by, I get more and more men that are kind of waking up to, you know, higher consciousness and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's a really cool time to be alive, but I agree. It is, it's an infinite amount to, to wade through. You could just never sleep and, and never understand all of it. So mm. we'll try and to clarify the things that we know to be true. Um, right. to, to save people some time, right? That's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think uh, the, we lose ourselves in looking outside for answers often as well. Uh, and um, I appreciate the irony of that hosting a podcast. Right. Uh, totally. Right. And here we are. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that's the subject of today. And, and so I'm going to start by saying woo uh, and (laughs) were you always woo woo were you always did you always feel connected to a higher consciousness were you one of those kids who received wacky messages going is everybody else seeing this like what was growing up like for you uh, well, we didn't know the word woo. That's pretty, that's come out like what the past like 10 years, basically. Um, so I didn't know it was woo until, so I had an awakening point in 2014, which blew the socks off of my life. But, but if I look back, you know, we're all born in a really high vibration and we're all born in really high consciousness. Actually, babies can see spirit and so can animals and you can see it until you learn that you're not supposed to really see it. And then we kind of all forget that we saw it, but it's very normal. You watch babies, you can see that they're looking at things that are, they focus in on things that you can't see. And once you kind of know that it's really cool and they can also see your energy. And I had a child that could still see, and that talked about up until last year when he was 12. Now he's kind of shut it down a bit, but it's been really fun to kind of play in that arena. But I don't remember seeing, I remember seeing angels one specific time. I remember being very connected and I remember having an affinity like for trees and understanding people's emotions. And I don't think I'm that special. I think that everybody has a connection. The more I talk to people, like you'll, you'll kind of trigger a a remembering of the, where they're like, Oh yeah, there was that tree that I sat by, or there was that bird or that animal that I felt like I could talk to, or I saw an angel or I had a, a friend that would show up and nobody else could see, or my grandmother, you know, now they have all those recordings of babies when they're in their cribs talking mm-hmm. on the monitors to grandmothers. Um, so then I, you know, I had um, an upbringing that was just super religious, like very, very organized religion. We went um, to church like four times a week, church of God, evangelical. And so it, I became very kind of charismatic, like way like over on the other side that was very judgmental and There was also just, there was a lot of stuff going on at home that was not um, healthy and there was some childhood trauma. Um, And as you know, most people go into the field of psychology or counseling because we're, you know, we're, we want to help with what we healed ourselves, which is why you're doing the work that you're doing. Um, Because if you want to help people heal and get better in the ways that you have found. So we kind of are led into our calling based on problems that we really needed to be solved on our, you know, when we were younger and as we've grown, but, you know, I, I've, I became more spiritual as I went and got my uh, master's and then my PhD, I started understanding consciousness. Um, and so that was about, uh, 15 years ago is about when I started that journey. And then 
in 2014, I had cataclysmic events that popped me open. Go ahead. Oh, wow. She's raising her fingers. So I'm like, I know. And so what did you do? I'm always curious what people choose to do their PhD in because I've had a number of friends do them and it's, you have to live with that topic for a few years. So you got to really love it. What did Uh, you do? Gosh, well, it took me 10 years because I had three children while I was getting the degree. So I got my master's in counseling and then I got my PhD in counselor in counseling and counselor education. Mm -hmm. So I also taught at the university level. So I I was specialized to be a therapist and to teach therapists how Mm -hmm. to work. Right. But yes, you are tied to it. And now, you know, it's interesting because I, I don't, I don't follow that paradigm so much anymore because I've become so spiritual and so soul driven that, um, I don't actually really like to diagnose that much anymore. Um, I really like to help people come to just a higher level of consciousness about what's gone on with them. So yes, I held it, but now it's like, I kind of changed my title. I used to be a psychotherapist and counselor and I, and I was licensed and, um, I now am like, I call myself a coach, but I kind of am not a f- the biggest fan of that word because it kind of underestimates what I'm really doing. So you don't like labels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, like soul guidance. I, other day I was like, Hey, and I just typed in, I'm a transformationalist. So I, all I know is I like to help people transform their lives. I've got like 25 years experience doing it. And I really do want to help people save time and get insight on what they don't know to be true. I want to help you not go through so many hard <laughs> speed bumps that I went through without the right guidance. So, so mm. where should we dive in? Yeah. What's so let's dive into the 2014 blow up because oh, that's yeah. often what makes someone go, no, no, this isn't how I want to show up for people. I've come out the other side of this. This is what I've learned. And here we are. So yeah. what was that? Yeah. And none of it planned, right? Like none, those of us, you know, I am 50 ish. And so, you know, I, I thought at this point I was going to be married to my college sweetheart. I was going to have, you know, three kids, two golden retrievers and a picket fence. And I was going to be teaching elementary school, which is what I went to get my undergrad in. And then, um, I've actually been through two divorces and I, I was married to a professional ball player. And then th- that blew up in a public display of humiliation after 10 years. And then, um, after that trauma and all of my childhood trauma resurfacing, I went back to school because I really wanted to understand. And I wanted to understand more about why people do the things they do. I wanted to understand trauma in the body. And I wanted to reinvent myself because I was no longer who I was after that. It was just a very, it was just an emotionally traumatizing divorce. Um, and then, you know, as I continued on, um, and I did get remarried, which I kind of repeated some things and, um, was not quite in a place where I was choosing partners that were really aligned with me. Um, I had a cataclysmic event in 2014 when someone really close to me took her life and I, and another person found her. And it was needless to say, um, speaking of trauma, like I thought I'd been through it and then that happened and it's just a different level of trauma. There's just very, there are just so many layers anyway to, to suicide. It's, it's basically an atom bomb for anyone that loves that person. Um, and then if you're the one that finds the person, there's a whole like physical somatic trauma. And then, um, what happened was she actually, this is very woo. <laughs> um, and I would know, mind you this time I was a very strong practicing Christian. Um, I, <clears throat> started noticing all these things were happening to me and I was feeling very disconnected from who I was. I started taking on all these illnesses. I started having just a a breakdown of my physical um, body. And I eventually, after seeking 
therapy and counseling and trying all the modalities that worked for me, someone mentioned a medium to me and someone mentioned a shaman to me and I was just led down this path. So no, that's nothing I would have ever done in the past. That wasn't an alignment with my upbringing. It was considered of the devil. Like that's not the way I was raised, but I couldn't figure out how to find my peace again. So I visited um, a well-respected shaman who also was a PhD. And I thought, okay, you have a PhD, like I can relate to you. <laughs> and I, we went and had um, lunch and um, I was like a shriveled mess of who I was last time she had seen me a year before my like, hair was falling out. I'd lost 25 pounds. I had very significant issues and she looks over my right shoulder and she says, well, your loved one is still with you. And I was like, so she could see. And I was of course like what and all, like, it's like the world exploded, but what ended up happening was, you know, when I was little, I did have gifts of like um, strong clairvoyance, strong, and we're all kind of born that way, strong understanding, clear sentience of other people's emotions, um, just very intuitive, highly intuitive. You know, I would have been the one that they would have burned at the stake probably because I just kind of always knew things like just we're, we're me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, um, yeah, I mean, right. Like the more I tell it, the more women are like, woo, yeah. Um, but, you know. I, all of a sudden, Alex, it's like, she was like, you're going to know, she's like, you need to help her find her way back to heaven. And, um, you know, her, her dad's waiting on her and she gave me some pointers and she had to go. And she's like, you're, you're just going to know what to do. And so I literally, I got in my car, pulled over into a back parking lot. And I was like, I, I can't take this anymore. It had been about two months since her passing. And all of a sudden I could like see her in my mind's eye. And I was having all this telepathic communication and I, I could see her face. And it was like, she kind of looked like that painting the screen. Like she was so tortured because of what had happened. And, um, you know, th there's, I don't know how woo to go because it's, 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 it's I know it's a lot to hold. <laughs> We've only just met, but. <laughs> we don't just met, no. Nice to meet you. Uh, but anyway, the, okay. So the point is I started knowing things and I could feel her pain. And so without going into all the details, I ended up knowing how to help her release. And so, you know, I, 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 I did like um, this communication with her where I let her know that there was really like nothing to forgive. Like she was loved. And I believe that source is love. I don't believe that there's this big judgmental man in a chair that tells you, you can go up or down. I just think that's kind of ridiculous. Um, it's, in my opinion, if you believe that, please don't jump it's off. It's the original fear-based marketing the, in my it view. Yes. yes, it is. And it was meant to control a society that, that really can come into their own power, kind of like we're discussing. And this happens to be one of my powers, which is communication. And so, um, and it's not that it's just mine. I, a lot of, we all can harness that, but we've been taught not to, that's been shut down. Um, we, uh, I ended up doing this whole intuitive, just kind of, kind of session in my car. And I, my ears were popping, my hair on my arms were standing up. I could feel that I was out of body. And so what I was having was a very supernatural experience. And in that I could feel her release and I felt this overwhelming joy and I just wept and I was, <laughs> it would took about 20 minutes. And then I called her and I was like, holy crap. I was like, what the hell? And she is dying laughing. She's like, ah, I knew. And I was like, what is going on with my ears popping and the hair on end? Like I'd never no, I'd never, it was just out of nowhere. And she was like, I got to go into another meeting, Google it. I'll call you later. And I'm like, I up. Google it. It's yeah, like, literally. what's I'm, happening to me? Seriously. And it's like, so it's kind of like, you know, whenever you're around, so I'll like bring it down to common speak. You know how when your hair stands up on end, um, so 
there we we are surrounded with in my belief system um you know a realm there's an there are certain frequencies and spiritual realms and the, the when you're hitting a very high frequency your consciousness raises your vibration raises you're at an elevated state of consciousness and the, the highest state of consciousness is enlightenment and the the ascended masters jesus buddha um they they just held a very high vibration that's why you could heal be healed by just touching them and being in that vibration because sickness can't exist in that vibration. And so when those beings come around you, your hair will stand up on end, your ears can pop because their frequency is much higher than yours and your body's trying to calibrate. So, um, a little like woo, like hack for you, whenever you do get chill bumps and you might get it as we're talking, if this lights you up, whenever you get chill bumps, that's your spirit team kind of like coming super close to you and telling you like what you heard is truth for you. Like pay attention and you get like confirmation that it's spiritually true for you. So it's been a fun ride. So that was like nine years ago. And since then I started training under a medium, um, much to the chagrin of my press, my mom later became a Presbyterian pastor, my Presbyterian pastor, mom. Yeah. Completely freaked out. And, um, as did a lot of people from the church and, uh, there are a lot of people still that don't, relate to me, but you know, whenever you go through any kind of an awakening or join a church, whatever the church is, um, you go through like this period where you want to convert everybody. Cause yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I went through that. Right. And so I didn't understand how nobody got it, but now I'm like, so chill about it. And I'm like, look, this is for me. This is where I am in my soul's journey. If this is wacko to you, that's totally cool with me. Like everyone gets to have their own belief system. And it's to me, it's all about love and oneness and whatever works for you works for you. But that's what happened to me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Woo. And you mentioned divorce a couple of times now. So can I ask in terms of uh, maybe what you know now, uh, how you feel you were able to rise above those experiences. Cause you know how there's, there's always two ways to take something bad that happens to you, right? There's the replay it million times over in your mind and, and make it a part of your, literally your physiology, your psychology um, and the victim kind of status of, of having to go through something like that. Cause it's intense, but like a third to a half of people are going through it now. So we got to talk about it some more. Um, but you can also use things like that that blow up your life to elevate and put it back together differently. I always think of the Japanese kintsugi art where there's the gold thread that makes it more beautiful than it was before. And I think there's always opportunity in awful experiences um, for us to examine things that didn't, you know, work for us in the past or that weren't right in society and that more people needed to stop walking past it. You know, um, have you got advice for, oh, for people out there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's so starting from the second one. So when the, this experience happened to me and I, I kind of started opening up more of my spiritual side, um, that is when that marriage ended because um, and he's he's not even aware of, of where I am spiritually now. But I, you know, there there's sometimes there comes a point where you're just so far out of alignment with each other. And very often one partner just grows in one direction. Often it's because of a spiritual event or you just kind of reinvent or your identity shifts. And so that marriage, I actually was the one that decided like, I can't do this anymore. And it was, it, it was not anything I planned for. And never, nobody ever, ever in the history of time has ever gone into a marriage wanting to get divorced. Like none of us planned for it, but there is so much shame and guilt tied to it. And that 
piece. That's the primary piece. I work on it for women. And, you know, speaking of um, work on it with women, um, I do work with men too, but you know, women were taught to carry this guilt and that is really the main issue around it. And once I started studying, um, spirituality, I look at consciousness and, you know, Michael Dawkins wrote the book power versus force. And he's got very, very landmark research on studying the body's biofeedback measures based on the state of consciousness, the emotion that you're in. And so I reference, you know, enlightenment and all that woo stuff, like you're, you can be way up in the ethers and that's really high levels of consciousness. And, you know, you still got to live your life. And, you know, there's a, there are these neutral stages of consciousness, but the lowest stage of consciousness vibrationally that your body um, can hit is, is shame and guilt. So we're inside divorce, shame and guilt are the heaviest ones because, you know, very often we stay much longer than like, if we hadn't been married, right. We would have already been like, like I'm gone, but because we've signed the contract and done it in front of the church and promised we'll death do you part and all the layers, right? Like it took me years and years. Cause of course I'd already done it once. And I was like, you know, my first marriage was in my twenties and my second one was in my thirties and then mid thirties to, to late forties, there was six years in between. Um, and it was the guilt and shame. So, you know, out of the second one, you know, what both of them were about eight ish years, give or take. Um, out of the, the second one, you know, and I had kids out of the second one, it was the guilt and it was the shame. And plus I was, you know, I was already a doctor and a PhD and I, here I was an expert and I'm like, you know, even mm. though I do the yeah. spiritual stuff, like I'm still human and I'm still like, people are going to judge me and I'm judging myself. And how do I like, how do I even like navigate this? Cause no one's going to take me seriously. People are going to dismiss me. And there are many times I've gone on lives and if it comes up, like you'll get haters that are like, you know, they try to discredit you. Like, so you have to like, keep going with that. You know, your, your worst fears will often, you know, come true. If you want to go live on TikTok or something like that's where they, that's where they wait. <laughs> that's where they hang out. Oh, yep. they do. And I'm like, <laughs> how do I, um, but, but it's okay. Like we're, you know, it, it's, I have found so much. So that is why this spiritual piece has helped so much because I started seeing it on a soul level. If I stayed in that 3d paradigm, which was all about judgment and shame, like it's so thick that like, you just, you just want to drink yourself to sleep every night. You just want to jump from relationship to relationship because it's too much to hold. So doing the work, getting in and getting the layers, because very often in, in divorce. So the other thing that happens is if you have, since we all have unhealed childhood trauma, right? Like I wrote a book called the fatherless daughter project also in the middle, right. As I was going through all this and I did a lot of research on this and, um, it's relevant because I had a lot of unhealed childhood trauma around fathers. And, um, my mom was also divorced twice. Um, so I have three dads and, um, just a lot of abandonment and addiction and all the stuff. And, you know, <clears throat> there, it wasn't really healed yet. So very often what's important for us to remember, and this can go for men too, cause they have, you know, emotional signs as well. If you haven't healed your childhood trauma and it's okay, like it's not your fault. Like, you know, we weren't taught to do that. Right. We, we were taught to stuff it. Right. I was listening to your episode um, with the, with the trauma specialist and he was saying how his mom told him that he was such a good baby because he never cried. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's how we were raised. Right. Generation X. And so, you know, we didn't, nobody went, I don't know, it, counseling wasn't a thing right when we were young. And so all of that trauma you know, especially if you've lost a father and you have a situation where you're taking care of a mother and younger siblings, or you've just been taught to like, get back up, you know, go produce, go produce. Like, I'm so proud of you for being strong and not crying. And, um, it gets stuffed until you have your next big loss. And that's either the death of someone close to you and, or a divorce, um, a loss of a relationship. And it can also be a good friendship or the loss of a, of a job. If that felt, you know, like it was your identity. And then, 
all that stuff <laughs> like a volcano, right? Like comes up. Wow. So, and then that's where choice comes in. Right. And so you have a choice and, you know, I've done a lot of different modalities. I did EMDR coming out of my first one and I did a, 20 years of psychotherapy, psychoanalysis. I've done all the modalities. And, you know, then when I came into the spiritual um, realms, it was like, it all just pieced together. And now I have such of a peaceful, like where I can even be grateful. Mm -hmm. I didn't start there. <laughs> I did not start. I started in trauma. I went through understanding the psychological issues. How do I heal this? How do I make sense of it? Because it doesn't make sense. And so it's like, you have to do this excavation. I did, which is why I went and got the degree and became a helper myself. And so, um, you know, it's a choice of how much you're going to cover it and bury it again, or, you know, shellac it with something else, <laughs> or whether you're going to go in and what I've learned, um, especially the last like three years, cause I've had breakups since, cause I've been in other relationships. It's, it's been eight, nine years since my last, since my divorce. Um, so what I've learned is you, the best thing to do is go in and feel it, go in and freaking feel it. And, you know, I was passing ancestral trauma back also through like the generations of women that, so I'm the one <laughs> you might, if you're still listening, you might be the one too. Um, if you didn't jump off when I talked about all my woo stuff, um, you might be really feeling this in your bones. Because, <laughs> thank you for staying with us. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for staying here. Um, that, um, you know, the, the calling on your life to process it on a really deep level. And that's not for everybody, but I went into the darkness this past time and it was, it was painful and it was hard, but you know what, once you start feeling it and naming it and learning how to just sit with the darkness, it's like you're, you're healing and you're healing generations. And, you know, I'm not going to pass these patterns down to my daughter. Mm -hmm. So that was a very, I know, complex answer to, um, you know, <laughs> uh, give us some on tips on divorce yeah, yeah. Right. here's your deep answer right call ask a spiritualist that question and you'll get a yeah we're gonna go we're gonna go it. there no but I mean you know the, a few things you said there really resonated and one of them was uh how traumas come back to visit you during life events and then because of society and the way it is and because we think about what you can justify feeling so divorce death uh, suicide, you know, big things you mentioned when a friendship ends and that, you know, I've been ghosted twice in my life. And it's so funny that you mentioned that because it made me then think, wow. So the reason I actually found that so hard was because it was a moment where all the other stuff came in. Uh, and that is fascinating to me because we often think we have to wait for huge blow up moments by society's definition, but sometimes things can come knocking for what might feel like smaller things that you don't have the right to be feeling as big as you do. Right. Yeah, totally. Because I think, yeah, I mean, that's such a good point. Cause that's, that's what I found in my research. It's like, if you are having like so much of a harder and I'm doing quotations, harder time than your friends over the breakup or the loss of a friendship. And people are kind of looking at you like, you're, you're overreacting a bit. I can promise you that it is because what you just said, it is about the person, because obviously when you have that connection and you're, you're going through grief is what you're you know going through. But if it is more than it seems 
again, quote normal. It is because yes, that old trauma, that, that grave was kind of dug up, that scab was ripped off. And it's like, it's like, okay, here I am. Like we, we have an intense fear of abandonment. We, we, you know, this childhood loss that we had, like, let's just, you know, it's, it's asking to be felt. And, you know, the reason people don't want to go there is because that feels like we, we aren't able to hold it. Right. Because that's intense stuff. And the cool thing is, is you actually are. And this is where like specialists come in, you know, whatever modality is calling to you, having someone just sit with you, especially someone that has been there, someone that can understand and, and normalize it for you. Because that feeling, like you just said of like, um, I was thinking about, you sent some questions before we got on and about, um, you know, the, kind of the patriarchy and, and diagnoses. I was thinking that's where my mind went to diagnoses. You know, a lot of times women are kind of diagnosed as having, is there's a diagnosis called being histrionic. Histrionic, basically, yeah. right. It kind of means like you're over emotional. And I was just thinking before we went on, I'm like, you know, that, that diagnosis was made up by, by a man. And it's like, you know, yes, is it in there? Yeah. I mean, I under, there's this whole continuum of emotionality. I've studied it. I've done the diagnosing myself, but I think that where, where we, where there's been a fault is that, you know, it's exactly what we're talking about is that sometimes someone has been triggered and that childhood trauma just gets unearthed and it's coming up in ways and it's asking to be healed, especially if you're the one to heal it, you're the one to stop this pattern in your family or maybe in your own life. And it's super intense. It's not that you're, something's wrong with you or you're over because we judge ourselves. And then, so then you're having the feeling, right. And then when Mm -hmm. we, 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 we slather on the judgment and then Mm. And again, like when you're feeling that judgment about your reaction or your overreaction, you drop to shame. And what did I tell you before? Like shame is the lowest point of vibrational consciousness on that scale. Shame sits down at the bottom. It's an inverted triangle. And, you know, shame is it's a 10 or 20 and and guilt. Uh, When you're up vibrating at like love and self-love and joy, you're up at about 300, 500 enlightenment is a thousand, right? So when you're down at shame and you're, I mean, death, by the way, zero. So, and this is all scientifically shown. This is, you know, beautiful research. And to me, it normalizes it because it's like, if I'm feeling intense shame in my body and guilt and responsible for the childhood trauma or guilty that I'm not over it or feeling embarrassed that I'm still carrying it, why I have, I mean, the other day, a friend of mine, she's like, why can't I get through this? It's like, well, when we do that to ourselves, we drop ourselves down to that very low point of consciousness. And in that place, you can't be creative. You can't feel love. You can't move forward. So the task that I would encourage people to look into is peeling off that layer at the, at the just the very start. Like, I'm not going to feel guilty for where I am. I'm not going to lower myself to shame because the reason it actually feels so bad is because it doesn't actually match the consciousness of your spirit, the way that you were mm-hmm. built. That was, yeah, that was mm-hmm. taught to you. Babies yeah. don't feel ashamed. Mm-mm. ever that was taught to you around the age between the age of five and seven <laughs> toddlers are completely unapologetic for their yep. lives <laughs> yep. they don't scare yeah. they don't yeah. they, they you you emote when you're a baby you tell everybody around you what you want what you don't want you push away the scary grandma that you don't want to hug you scream because mm. you want the body you know you are telling people what you know and it's it's about the way that it's your intuition what you're what is comfortable what is safe for you and you're taught to stuff it. You're taught to be quiet, you know, go sit on, you know, Santa Claus's lap anyway. And the kids are screaming, you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, no, do what we tell you to do. And, you know, innately. And then, oh, we laugh. I remember my poor nephew being traumatized by um, Santa one year and uh, like we were comforting him. But at the same time, we thought it was hilarious. I mean, how right. awful is that? Oh, my yeah, gosh. I mean, 
Yeah, but it, it's an example. I know I have my friend has a Christmas card and the kids are all if my sister's listening. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We need to have a moment over that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's part of the cultural conditioning. But I think the beautiful part is conversations like this. It's like, you know, letting you know that all those things that we learn to stuff and be quiet over, like they're actually really normal, normal human emotions. And you're not doing yourself a service to layer the shame and the guilt that you were taught to feel because you're emotional. You know, at the same time, you have the choice to work through those emotions, um, get support, like investing in your healing is one of the best things that you can do. Uh, listening to podcasts that serve you really taking the time to unpack specifically what is going on with you and, and investing time and not, you know, booking more clients and, you know, escaping, escaping, like taking the time to honor it because when you do, you, you can find healing and, and work through it. And it doesn't mean that it disappears and that you don't get trigger. It, it means that you learn to shorten the time because you become more conscious of what's coming up. And the more conscious you are, the, the shorter the, the, the trauma pain stays. Mm-hmm. So interesting. And as you were talking just then, I thought, gosh, what a privilege it is with all the crap going on in the world right now to make the space for healing. But then you could look at that also as a responsibility if you do have that space to do that work because because of all the crap going on in the world. It's almost like, you know, I always say to families who can afford organic, but they're not there yet and they're not doing it. Like go find a regenerative farmer and do all your grocery shopping through them. Thank you very much because you can. And that's the only way we change the bigger system. Everyone who can should. And I wonder whether that's kind of, we can apply that to spiritual growth as well. Oh my gosh. Well, it's, it's the best metaphor and it's just Mm. a different layer. And I know you agree with that. It's just a different layer, right? Like you're, 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 it's toxin. It's, it's, we're talking, we're, we're both talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a toxin to your body or a toxin to your heart and soul, which by the way, interplay. Of course right? they do. Yeah. So if, if you're holding on to, you know, ancient shame, um, you, you're releasing a lot of cortisol, you're blocking dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. You're not dosing yourself with what feels good. Right. And when you're taking toxins into your body, you're further clogging your systems. It all works together. Like you're a mind, body, heart, soul being it's all connected. And, you know, your body will tell you when the toxins are loading up, it will get sick. Mm this is emotional toxins, mental toxins and physical toxins. And so like you saying, you have the choice. And my whole thing is, well, guess what you're listening and now, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and once you know, <laughs> once you know, you have a, you know, and it's your choice, you have a responsibility and I will promise you, you follow those rules and it may take time. Yeah. It's going to take time. It's going to take an investment. It's going to take going against the grain. It's going to take, maybe some people are going to look at you a little weird, but you know what you're going to be cleansing your body and detoxifying yourself in all these layers. And you will feel so much lighter. Like I can't even tell you, Alex, it's that, you know, we're all just feeling whether it's, you know, physical toxins or emotional toxins, it makes you feel heavy. I mean, it makes you feel dense. And so when you look at consciousness and and emotional energy, that's what they measured with like shame and guilt. And by the way, like anger and all that's down there, like fear is right above shame and guilt. So fear is the other one. It's dense. What do you feel when you feel, feel fear? Like it, you're, you're, you know, you have a second brain in your gut, you have brain cells in your gut. Um, 
so when you're feeling fear and shame, like you literally can feel your gut constrict, like it literally tightens the denser, the emotions, the more your systems get clogged. So when you are tending to your physical body, looking at the toxins you're taking in through your mouth, through your food, through your drink, through your air, through your, all the things that you are championing as the expert that you are, you know, it's very, it's the metaphor It's the same with, with emotions and, and mental, you know, the, the paradigms that we have that block our, you know, our own power that block our sovereignty, that block the freedom that you have to choose. And you thinking that you have to live in fear instead of taking responsibility for yourself. And look, it's a choice. It's always a choice. And, you know, very often we know how to be in fear. So what they have found is that people sometimes will just naturally default because they know how to do that. It's not that it's comfortable. It's just familiar right? Like we've been taught this by so many systems our whole life. And for us to have to take a responsibility, it's like, it's such an unknown. And it means also that we probably will have to change a lot of things in our life, right? Like you start doing the, you start tending the detox, like you got your fragrance, fragrances, fragrances, you've got your cleaning supplies, you've got, you know, so it's Mm -hmm. the same. And on and on you go. And so do we experience the same thing you think? When we do the emotional work, I have felt that as I've done uh, lots of different things over the years uh, to grow and evolve. Um, but yeah, it does. It does feel like a, a pruning and a growing and a um, whoa! I didn't even think about that. Like just like going low tox. Yeah, it's so true. Totally. And you know, mm. and everyone doesn't come with you. And I think that's one of the hardest things is mm-hmm. that you know when your lifestyle changes and your you know your consciousness shifts. Um, you know, you carry. It, you know, you were vibrational creatures, you carry a, you and a vibration around you, you have a frequency. And when you start shifting people that don't align with that, that actually prefer lower frequencies. And I'm saying that without judgment, it's, it's everyone's where they find their comfort level, but people are not going to all resonate with you. And that is one of the hardest things. Cause it means that you may be letting go of, of these relationships that were very familiar, but you know, if you're growing and your consciousness is raising and you're being, your soul is really calling you like to, to, to take out these toxins in your life. It's going to keep calling you like your soul is here to, to, to really improve your life. And so, you know, making peace with that. And that's one of the, it's one of the biggest things I work on with people is really finding peace with the fact that everyone is not going to be resonating with where you're going. And, um, that can be super hard. I've gone through it in my own life, but you know, the cool thing is, and you know, this with your tribe, like you don't even know all the people that are going to love you yet. Like you, once you walk through the door and there's another door after that, another door after that, there are actually other people there that you don't even know exist yet that are waiting for you that have been there. And that then you kind of find these new friends that are resonating at this like higher vibration of consciousness and that really celebrate the healing and that want to find their way, you know, to, to, to higher frequencies also. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, And something that uh, comes up a lot in my mind is back to kind of what we first started with this hyper externalization and, and it's women, you know, 95% of women are the low tox life community. Um, Hello to the boys listening. I appreciate you. Um, And people who identify as all different uh, ways as we've um, come to understand and love over the the past couple of decades as well. I want to make space for everybody. But what I notice is women, often mums, 
uh, members of like 50 Facebook groups to make sure we do the right thing and we make the right decision. And we're always second guessing ourselves and needing help from like other people. And, you know, what did you guys do here? And look, I love that I can have a community that makes people feel safe to ask those questions and to connect. Um, I think mine's one of the happiest, least judgy, least fear-driven health communities that exists. And uh, that's partly because of my design, because I don't think fear is the way to make progress. I just, I don't get that. I, right. And, um, but we, we, we can be so scared into deciding things and um, I, my question, I guess, is how do we break a pattern of needing um, a lot of validation and a lot of it's okay, yeah, that's a good choice before we move forward? It, well, it's it literally is the foundation of the work that I do because <laughs> in all the things that that's what came about, through yeah, as I was yeah. researching, I was like, I have to ask totally. you this because I see it. I'm like, why do we need to be in like a billion different groups? Just find the vibe and then just cut out the noise. Right. You know, it takes practice. It has taken me work to understand that. And um, it's what I teach because I think that, you know, we've been taught, to externalize our power. Now I'm nothing against Googling. Sometimes we need research to ground us. Like there, there's nothing wrong with it, but you're asking about um, decision-making and, you know, you, you were born with an intuitive center. You were born with divine wisdom flowing through you. It's your intuition, your gut, your, whatever you want to call it. You're just, you're born with it. And no one outside of you knows better for you than you. That's just, I'm very much into sovereignty as well. Like freedom is like, it's been my favorite word since my awakening. And, um, I've realized how much that's been taught against us, like to ask for, for, you know, ask their opinion or it it gets overridden. I think for me, I was Mm. raised really controlling home. And like my mom, just like, God bless her now. She was doing the best she could, but like my, what I wanted was always overridden and things were always chosen for me and overridden and overridden. I took the path that I thought everyone wanted for me. And so what I learned now from my forties into my fifties, um, the work that I've been doing is learning how to, and I call it sourcing from within. I use the word source for God now, cause I, I believe it's a, it's an energy of love. Um, it's realizing, and it takes time to get to this because you ha- it's unlearning what you've been taught that somehow the answers are outside of you. And this is why spiritual practice and meditation are so important because you connect to, it's like, you have to like peel back the layers of all the doubt and all this stuff that's coming towards us. And you can do that by detoxifying on all the ways we're talking about. But when you can hone in on that place of, of inner knowing, and it, again, it takes practice. It's like, I teach women to, to, to come back in what, and there's a line of questioning I do with, with women and the basis of it really is what do you want? I mean, it sounds so simple, but when I sit with women and I, and I, and I bring you to like a place where you're just lighter, you're more at peace. And we can do like a little meditation to calm you and you do deep breathing and you just slow down your nervous system. And we kind of have singing bowls and all kinds of fun things you can do vibrationally to shift your consciousness. But if you can just tap into your heart space and tap into that soul and literally just ask yourself, what do you want? And our mind is going to give you the opinion of colleague, partner, mom, whatever society, what I should do. Right. So what, what I task 
women with doing it again, men, it's not that we're leaving out the men, but women have just been kind of trained to not, men are more trained to trust themselves, I think. Oh yeah. You can tell by the way they email. Hmm. Yes. Yes. We, (laughs) yes. That's a whole nother podcast, but yes, um, I I love gender studies. And and then there are a lot of men that are really in touch with their feminine side that are, you know, the, the world is definitely shifting. But one of the things that I would, I would task you to do, and this is a really simple word shift is when you're saying out loud and you're trying to make a decision. And usually what we say is I need to, or I should, I really should do this. And I really need to to do that. Switch the word need and should with the word want, and then check in and see what your gut does, which is your second brain. Again, it's your, it's your soul, your, your intuition, which is right at the base of your rib cage. When you say like, let's say, um, I really, uh, want to, I really, I don't know. What's a big should I really, um, should exercise more. We'll take a light one. I really should like, we, that's one of the strongest things for women. I should eat less. Okay. How about this? I should like, that's actually the number one thing that women guilt themselves over is the way that they look and how much they eat. Um, and women, by the way, we walk around feeling like 80% of us walk around feeling guilty. Most of the day it's men. It's like 2%. Um, and the biggest piece is what we eat and it's exercise and, and the way we look right yeah thanks society um so if you switch i really should eat less i really want to eat less because let me just raise your awareness for a second as we do this when you're saying i really should eat less what's happening there is you're also passing judgment on yourself again judgment brings shame lowest point of consciousness so we're not going to do that to ourselves instead we're going to say i really want to eat less it's a very different vibration in the body you say to yourself, you know what? I really want to eat, eat less. There's no shame or judgment on that. It is a choice that brings that locus of control back to your internal self. And it brings you back into your own autonomy. So as you're walking through your day, talking to your friends, talking about yourself in your head or out loud, notice how many times you use the word need to and, and should. And if you can start practicing that, I catch my clients doing it. I mean, by the second week I'm working with people, I'm like in their head and they'll self-correct on their own. Uh, It literally is a game changer. And so that's your intuition. And that is actually where your answer is. It's not on how can I please everybody? Because that's what we're taught to do. You know, you're going to be loved more if you please everybody and martyr your own happiness. Mm. that's, That's what we do. And so when we're saying I need to and I should and we we try it on for size to switch it to I want, does sometimes it become hilarious what you say? So, like, uh, I'm just thinking. Oh, my God. Um, like, if I say I should run a marathon, like, it's funny because this happened yesterday. <laughs> I I mean, I will run, but there ain't no way in hell I'm ever running a marathon. And I, hmm. if I say I really, like, I really wish I could run a marathon, I really, I really should, like, because a friend of mine is training for one. But then when I drop it and I say I really want to run a marathon, I literally want to laugh out loud because I'm like, hell mm. no, there is no part of me that really wants to. So what, what yeah. would it be for you? What would it be for you? Like, uh-huh. I, I'm actually, yeah, well, it would actually be a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no. you, know, you can make me play tennis for three hours, no problems, but running a marathon, no, thank you. And I have friends who do it as well. Uh, but I, I love that because it actually highlights the hilarity of some of the things we say I need to and I should. And when I say hilarity, I don't even mean the funny side of that sometimes necessarily. It's more like how how hilariously disconnected we are from what we actually want to do a lot of the time. And I'm not talking about showing up for you. Like, you know, no, no, no one wants to drive two hours to a soccer match if you really, really had the choice. But 
the choice that you really, really wanted to make was to have your child and they love soccer. And of course you want to show up for them that way. So I'm not talking about those kinds of like have tos of our day in the context of um, original choices we make that we are showing up for. I'm more talking about the life expansion stuff and the things we're choosing to do with our time that is ours to choose about um, outside of the context of roles, right? Is that is that an important distinction? Totally. And I think, you know, the caveat is, and I'm glad you said that, is that, you know, so you know you don't really want to, you know, take time out of your schedule to do those things, but you want the outcome because so yes. it's, it's, is it going to make you feel better if you carry through with that? So yes. Of course. Um, it, I it just heritage, wish that yes. they played sport a little closer to home. Totally. I know. I, I feel you. <laughs> I mean, I've got three teenagers and it's a, yeah. and a hell of a year. Um, I'm like, oh my God, how many miles did I just drive back and forth? Um, but I really want to be there. So that want is correct. Right. So maybe it's not the how, but, but yes, it is in the, um, you know, we, we're trained to say yes to everything and to people, please. And, and, you know, it's, it's the role issue, you know, to be, we really are women are, I, I mean, it, it's, it's overwhelming. You've got to be the caretaker or the one that shows up for the volunteer thing that the mom, the you know, killing it at work, start an original thing. I mean, it, it is, it is so much. And so when I started giving myself permission and I'm saying this with just pure honesty, like I used to volunteer for everything and, and it fulfilled me. I mean, I wanted to do it, but like now, like my charity is my kids and like my work. And I, I say no, and I don't, again, this is another little thing, like not following it up with a big explanation or an apology. And it takes a while to get there because we feel like, cause we feel so guilty because that role of being all the things it's like, you know, it's exhausting, but it's expected. And it, it's not, it's not okay because I mean, it makes us not sleep and it, it depletes us. It makes us not eat well. It's so bad for our nervous system and it, it will eventually make you sick. And so I've literally learned to say, and the older you get, I think the more unapologetic you get. Um, I just, I will just say, no, I'm sorry. I just can't period. I don't go into like some long thing, like, nope. I just, it's literally a complete sentence. And the more you can own and appreciate and understand that your time, you know, the number one regret of the dying, Bronnie Ware did this research on people in hospice and she wrote a book on it, the five regrets of the dying. And the number one regret for people that knew they were going to cross die, uh, was, I wish I had lived the life that I wanted to live and not live for everybody else. I mean, I wish I'd live for myself. And one of those other, one of the other regrets is I wish I'd had more fun. I wish I'd worked less. I wish I'd stayed in contact with my friends, like all those things that life gets in the way of. But if, if, if I know right now that the number one regret for people that know they're about to die is I wish I'd lived for myself and I wish I'd had more fun, like that should change things for you. Because when you're living your life based on what everybody wants for you, again, if it fulfills you, right? If you do find fulfillment, then it's a yes for you and you're, you're fulfilled and you're happy. I don't mean all the time, not, there's no Pollyanna. We all, you know, pain's unavoidable, but if you give your life away just to keep other people happy and you're living with resentment and you're exhausted and you're sick all the time, that is not serving what you're here to do. It is not serving and you, everyone has a purpose and it can be, it can be grand and it can be day to day. It doesn't have to be anything huge. It can just be, how are you in this moment? How are you going to be present with your dog and with your child and cooking this meal? I mean, it could just be about presence. It could be about changing the world through a podcast and teaching people how to detox their lives and saving lives. I mean, 
But if you're living your life based on what someone else is, is expecting of you and you're doing it, my big word I found recently was that if you're doing it out of obligation and deep down, you actually resent that obligation, that is your soul telling you, this is actually a no for you. <laughs> a yes for you feels like excitement. It feels like fulfillment and it feels light. What is a no for you feels dense and it feels resentful. So that's what I help women tune into that, that, that intuitive center, because the yes in your intuition, the direction to go, it will always feel lighter and the no on your intuition, it will just always feel heavier. Just, I mean, it literally is that simple. I mean, it yeah. Really is. And what a great thing to tune into. And so is it like a muscle? Do we need to exercise our intuition to get it fit um, and to to feel more and more comfortable with that boundaried approach and not having to explain why you're not doing things? Because I feel like we, <laughs> it feels like the first day of um, like a new sport for, for women to oh. do this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's not, um, it's not going to be a popular opinion. Sometimes it's, it, it will. The, the cool thing is it, if you're going to piss a few people off because you're making decisions based on yourself, you kind of know you're doing it right. But what it, what, what it takes to get used to now, I don't mean angering and hurting people. We don't want to ever cause pain, but I mean, if people are used to taking advantage of you and you're drawing boundaries now, and you're making choices based on desires that you have for the direction of your life and the people that were used to taking advantage of you are getting frustrated. That is a sign you're doing the right thing because you're pulling your energy back and you're setting boundaries. And they kind of liked you the way that you were because they were getting their needs met. But when you start tending to your intuition and your needs, you know, you're going to upset the apple cart a bit. And yes, it does take practice because the practice is learning to be learning to find meaning and peace in the fact that it's uncomfortable. And in that there comes like the confidence will start eclipsing how just uncomfortable it is because you realize that, you know, as you're raising in consciousness, that your calling on your life, your purpose, your joy has got to be what you're living towards. And, and if not, you're, you're giving your life away to everybody else. And that's, you know, your energy is your biggest commodity. So yes, it takes practice. What takes practice is learning to be okay. But then the more you practice, people learn then where your boundaries are. People will learn how to love you. They'll learn how to treat you. They'll learn what they can't ask for anymore. And then it just gets easier and easier because they're like, well, damn, she's in her badass self right now. And I, I already know, like, I can't go to her because like, she's too busy doing that over there. So I'm going to go to the next, <laughs> you know, person. So, but the cool thing is, is then like, you're, you're more open to what you love doing. And then you're the best version of yourself there because when you're doing the things that don't fit like your resonance and you're, you're out of alignment, with who you really are. But when you then make that space and, and honor the energy and recover that time and energy for doing what you really desire, what's really meant for you, even if you don't know what it is yet, like the first thing is just be present, <laughs> like drop into your moment and, and just be present. And maybe, I mean, that's always the first step, but then, you know, the universe will start bringing you things that match where you are, people that match the way that you believe. And, and this whole new world starts opening up. Um, and it, and it, it, it will make you so much more at peace. It will bring so much more joy and contentment into your life. And because of that, <laughs> you will be a healthier, happier human being for the people that really need you and primarily mm. yourself. Mm. And as I was listening to that, I was thinking of 
people I know, women, people I've talked to. And I was thinking, gosh, so on that road, how do you stop yourself from feeling like it's selfish to choose what you want? Because that is a very deep programming for a lot of women in the world as well. It is such deep programming. And so I literally, I've put the meme out there so many times. Self first is not selfish. It's sacred. Self first is not selfish. And it, it, it takes unlearning. It takes unlearning. And, and, and it, it's, that is an automatic thought for us. Right. So what I do when I work with people, like the first things is, is unlearning. And then, you know, what's super important is that you get support and that you find other people and you can find it in Facebook groups. You can find it through podcast communities, other people that align with the way that you are now wanting to think and the consciousness you're wanting to go into so that that becomes normalized around you because you're right that feeling guilty. That's the automatic thought. Automatically we feel guilty. So what I started doing was I literally in my own life and it's very simple, but I swear it's what worked for me. I just, once I got this, when I had my awakening and all the things were happening to me, the book that shifted, it was a book on victim consciousness. And I started realizing how I was agreeing to things. I started realizing how, when we think that we're victims, we attract more of it to us. I started realizing law of attraction. So all these things just started coming. And when I, started understanding about the frequency of guilt and shame and how your soul literally it's so uncomfortable because your, your body doesn't know how to hold it because it's so dense. It took time again for me to say, this is all new for you. Like listen to it a few times or just go research it on your own. Michael Dawkins research is phenomenal with this. He's written a ton of books. Um, the practice of it. And then what I started doing was I literally started saying, I don't do guilt. I mean, it's the silliest thing, but I just started saying out loud to the main person in my life that would make me feel guilty to control me. I would just say back to her, I'm sorry, I'm not going to have this conversation. I literally don't do guilt anymore. If you would like me to do this thing for you and you want to talk about it, but I'm not going to do it because you're making me feel guilty. So I'll hop back on the phone with you. (laughs) This is not a guilt-laced phone call. And, you know, it's, it's interchanging with people that, that, that have that dynamic with you, but you've also been trained in your mind. So then I say it to myself also, like I now, because I've been practicing this for nine years, I can feel guilt within a second. I know it because it's the lowest point of consciousness. And when I feel myself go on, I'm like, eh, don't feel guilty for having this feeling for doing the thing. I literally not going to feel guilt. And I have like, now I, I honestly, like I can swipe it away and I don't even like, I'm still human, but I will say 80 to 90% of the time I can release it very quickly. Yeah. And I really appreciate you saying that because often, you know, that people on the internet thing, and then there's the regular people just going about their day consuming content. You think, oh, I wish I could be like her and like never feel it. That's not what it is. It's about recognizing it faster and swiping it away. Exactly. Cause it's, it's, it's automatic cause you've been programmed that. And that whole thing about comparison. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, it's, we can't help it. And I do the same thing. I compare myself to other people in my, it's like, you literally have to on purpose, stop yourself. Like you have to, when you feel that comparison, cause I can promise you from what I do for a living as you know, I used to be a licensed psychotherapist. I've been a counselor. I'm a coach, you know, also, I, I mean, I've, I've had a show myself. And so people tell me, and I, I I'm sure you can relate to this. Like I hear their, their secrets, right? Like I used to be married to a very famous person here in the States. I I know what it feels like to be in celebrity status. And, you know, you look at people like that and you think that they have everything. So I'm here to tell you 
there is always another story behind it. It is never what it appears on social media. And if, if we could give ourselves a break more, we'd be doing such a service to ourselves because we have this illusion that has been created on. So I'm going to, there's a soapbox moment. Cause I know you mentioned it earlier. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. And I mean, we all do it. It's that's what Facebook asks. Post your prettiest pictures, act like it was all great. You know, like I post, so yesterday, I'll just say yesterday was Halloween here in the States. And I had, a, I had a breakdown, just drop this in here just to give everybody a normal things. So I know I'm woo woo and whatever, but Yesterday was Halloween. And if you saw my, po if you see my post on Facebook, my personal page, I literally posted, oh, it was spookalicious. It looks perfect. All the pictures of my kids, whatever. Here's the real truth. I had a freaking breakdown yesterday. It was the anniversary of my last breakup. Uh, I had a single mom day where I was having a meltdown because my ex was not helping with the kids. Um, it's like all of my demons just like came up and I was on the floor bawling like bawling for half the day. Luckily I have two of my best friends that know we, and this is a wonderful tool to have. We will leave each other voice memos when we're like having these horrible times. And it's like the agreement, you don't even have to listen to it just to be able to like vomit all that I was feeling. And so I know to do this. So my bestie, I'm like, I have got to leave this. And I'm like bawling on the phone to her and I'm like, and then, and then, and then I know to stop myself and I'm like, okay. But, but again, like your body need like that. It's very detoxifying to cry. Like tears, you know, have detoxifying elements. They're made up very different chemically than tears that um, lubricate your eyes. They, they actually have pain killing mechanisms in them and they they're healing. So I know to somatically release, I never apologize for crying. And then what I did yesterday, which is what I've learned to do is I just stood in my kitchen. And I said, okay, Karen, what are you feeling? And I just out loud stood there with my hands on the counter. And I said, I am pissed. I am angry. I am scared. I am sad. And like, it makes me want to cry right now saying it. Cause I tap into it. Um, I am, I am lonely. I am uh, heartbroken. I just started naming it. And I will tell you though, like just giving voice to it and letting it again, somatically move through my body. Like I felt like, let's call it 60% better. So again, I'm still human, but the worst thing that we do is feel guilty and stuff it and think that we have to be strong and have to keep showing up for the world as some superhuman version to have support, a community, best friends, a counselor, a coach, a place, a forum, a Facebook group where you can just go in and drop all the bullshit and say how you're feeling. If you could just speak the emotions that you're feeling research, actually they've, they've started to show, and I'm not talking about trauma, but I'm talking about like my trigger day yesterday. If you can just speak out loud and feel the emotions that you're feeling, they will actually pass in 60 to 90 seconds. It's, it's, it's uh, I love um, Dr. Joan Rosenberg's work on this and that book she wrote, 90 Seconds to the Life You Love. And it, it's, you know, she hated the title because the publisher made her call it that because it's like, oh, it only takes 90 seconds, like that typical, let's just sell some books here. But the the science of it, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's actually just spending the conscious time moving through those difficult emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, your body's built to do that. And, you know, it's, 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 and it mirrors, you know, the work that you're doing with people. And I, I'm telling you, it literally, it's, it's the same exact thing. And so then 
there was a purification process. And, you know, my friend today, when I talked to her, I'm like, I literally feel like a different person. And then when you do that, you're passing through layers. So then the next day, like I am not in the same place that I was two days ago, because I felt that yesterday, like in a very real way, there were some things that came up that I hadn't really truly tapped into. Cause again, I, again, like no judgment that they came up. I wasn't ready before yesterday. I was ready to feel it. I had, you know, an hour or excuse me, I carved at an hour. <laughs> I didn't have that hour, but I said, I'm going to go lay in my bed. I'm going to cry. I'm going to let this pass. I'm going to not apologize to my team for, you know, not being on Slack all day. I'm going to go do this. And, you know, if, if we, I mean, ugh, women, if we would just tend to ourselves the way that we do our best friends and we do our children, we would be so much happier and so much healthier. And then we can go back into the world. Like I did today as such a cleaner vessel, such a purified version of myself. And then you can show up for the rest of the world in the way that you really desire to. Mm, love that. It's like you're filtering yourself <laughs> like water. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. And when so people good. start talking about it, you realize, you know, you and I, I'm fortunate enough to, to be in places where people become unfiltered around me. They have permission because they know they're not going to be judged. And I'm like, you know, I, I can't tell you and I, I, in every session I have, or even every conversation I have sitting next to someone at a dinner party, when they find out what I do and they'll say, I mean, I can't tell you how many people will say, I wish I could just say, and they'll start telling me things that they, you know, are feeling about their spouse, their child, their boss, whatever. And I will always say, have you ever told them that? Cause they, 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 they're unfettered with me. Right. And they 95%, 99% of the time will say no. And I'm like, the way that you just said it to me right now actually would be the perfect way for you to actually have that conversation in a safe setting when there's no conflict. Like I can't tell you day after day after day. And if we would just give ourselves permission to not when there's conflict, but when there's a neutral time to speak, how we speak, how we feel, let people that really love us around us know where we are. You also give them permission, right? To take a big exhale and say, gosh, I'm so glad you said that because this is how I've been feeling. And in that, you know, our scar tissue is, is, is what, you know, it, it creates the strength between us. And if we would just share that with each other more and get off comparing ourselves to everybody on social media and just really be in presence with each other and share those fears and share, you know, our, and our wins, you know, we would just be, we would, there would be no wars. <laughs> yeah. There wouldn't be any wars, which is why I come back to, yes, it's a privilege to work on your healing and elevating. Um, but it's kind of your duty as well, because that's part of the, bigger picture of healing uh, um, a planet that's hurting. Amen. I mean, it is, you, you are, when you're doing it and then you have that support network around you, you, you are helping to heal the collective. You are, I mean, they, 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 they have shown the, the earth actually it's vibration is actually transforming as we are collectively healing our minds, bodies, and souls. We're going through a huge shift right now on every level. And they've, they've, they've measured it. It is shifting. And again, like it's your choice, but I love that you like stand at responsibility and you say, you know, now that, you know, like you're here with this responsibility and, you know, if, if you don't, things aren't going to change in your life. So I'm like, how's that working for you? Dr. Phil's, you know, great quote. How's that working for you? Uh, well, do you want to be in a different place tomorrow? Do you want to be in a different place in 2024? Start implementing. Like, don't take it on. Don't should all over yourself and say you should do all of it and detox everything today. Do three things today. Do one thing today. 
you know, shift out a word tomorrow, be more open with somebody, you know, on Sunday, (laughs) have a conversation that you, you know, it's, it's just these little shifts. And like you said, practicing a muscle, it gets easier and easier because then your confidence changes. And what you will always find is those people that love you, that align with you will start to break open as well. And relationships have so much more potential to deepen. And that includes primarily, again, the relationship that you have with yourself, because people can only love you to the extent that you love yourself. So true. And so I want to ask about like a couple of woo things that we can start to bring into our lives, get curious about, because we actually ended up having quite a practical conversation. I wasn't even uh, (laughs) like ready for that. I thought we were going to go all sorts of fabulous metaphysical (laughs) ways, but then you can't just go from zero to a hundred, right? And conversations happen that need to happen when they happen. I'm a big believer in that, which is why half the time I throw out my questions, three questions in. But my last question is, and it'll probably take some a little bit of time to unpack is, you know, we are pulled in all these different directions and we do have these big to-do lists, Um what are a couple of ways we can really just focus in on starting to tap into that intuition? I love the 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 big one I'm taking from our chat so far is switch the need and should to want and try it on for size. That for me is like, what a great exercise. I mean, we could do that literally a hundred times a day and go, well, ah! Oh, oh you will. I, I hope I get in your head. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I also know. Give us that, another one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, mm. I know when to shift back. Like it's, you know, I'm where I am, but this has been like decades of intentional study, a decade of intense spiritual study. So, you know, I don't expect people to jump. Yeah. To, from zero to a thousand. So I know that, you know, I have a PhD research is very grounding for people. It brings us back to home. It brings us back to central. And then, so, so there are a few things that come up when you ask that. And um, again, I will tell you all of this, which is, I love, they, they are scientifically showing that this, they, they're able to measure, you know, the feedback of the body systems based on, you know, spiritual experiences that you're having. So a few things I will give you, and you already know them. It's something you don't know. I'm just going to remind you because there it's actually what's happening to you. And one of them is, um, really being intentional about spending time in nature every day. If you, if you're in a really urban setting and like, you can't, even if you're just going and put your hand on a tree, that's in a park. If you just stand barefoot on a patch of grass, even if you just imagine yourself dropping a line, little, just a grounding cord down to earth. If you're on the you know 15th floor, you know, you energetically actually have a lot of power to connect, even if you can't like physically do it. Cause your body doesn't know the difference between an imagined event and one that's actually happening to you. Your mind is that powerful. So, um, what, but if you can, especially getting between trees. So I have a, a trail by my house, um, a few blocks down and I, it, it is a non-negotiable for me to stand between trees. And there is a frequency within nature that is higher than yours. So no matter where you are on the woo scale, you know, I will guarantee you everybody here either loves the ocean or mountains or dolphins or the stars. There's something in nature that you love, make it a non-negotiable on a daily basis, just to, even if you're imagining it, but to connect. So, um, the, so going out barefoot on any, and it can even be on hardwood floors. Oh, see, yeah. She's showing me a picture on her phone. I, I love it. So what, what do you connect to in that picture? What is it that makes it special for you? Oh my gosh. So this picture that I'm showing you, if people are listening to the audio is of the Alps 
And I went to the Alps for my first time ever this year in the summer in Europe. And uh, this particular picture is like a dropping down on the side of one of the Alps into like this forest uh, and then seeing an expanse of a whole bunch of other mountains uh, across a valley. And for some reason right now that is literally my uh, and that's why I made it my screensaver. So there's a woo hack right there because when if you can literally close your eyes or look at the picture and p- picture yourself there, your body will think it's actually having an experience there. And then what happens is you're releasing feel good neurotransmitters in your body. Take and when you're doing that kind of activity, just literally simply take a deep breath. The act of breath, I mean, they're showing so much about how much the, so breath work right now is really, really big because they're showing, you know, when you're oxygenating your systems, um, you're actually opening up your chakras. Uh, you have seven energy centers in your body. You have seven chakras. Um, you don't have to know any of that, but it's, it's, it's scientifically real, um, energy centers. And so when you breathe deeply, like when you're taking a deep breath, just picture breathing deeply from the base of your spine up to the top of your head, letting your diaphragm out. And I would do that like three times is what I do when I'm practicing with people. In those moments, what you're doing is you're opening your energy centers and you're, you're expanding things. You're, you're opening flow of energy that gets blocked because, you know, we have um, all these centers and different emotions get clogged in them. And so when you just take the simple act of breathing, you are opening up your energy centers and you're able to move with more flow. Um, I would tell you going back to nature is something that I'm like, I want to just say to people. So, you know, you always, you'll hear people talk about like their grandmother that passed and maybe it's a cardinal that they think is her or, you know, the butterfly, their grandfather loved butterflies. And so I am obsessed with nature's messages for us. It's one of my big things. Like for mine, if, if you're watching this in the audio, I have a big thing of feathers up here on my, on my mantle. And um, when I walk, I collect feathers. So I know that when I find a feather, this is my belief system. I believe that everything is a sign. Again, there's never, when source is giving you a sign or nature is giving you a sign, it's never going to, it's never a warning. It's never foreboding. So that's something that it's always about love and encouragement and inspiration. So when you do go out in nature or when that bird lands on your windowsill, or you notice this, a big, gorgeous spider web, that's actually beautiful instead of like reeling back or like yesterday I had a lizard show up in my kitchen has never happened before. Stop for just a minute. And what if, what if call me crazy, call me woo. What if that was actually a message from the greater universe to you of encouragement to say, keep going, keep going. You have something big coming, keep going. And if you could just for a second, just say, just go drop in, take a deep breath and go into your heart and just say, what's the message, whatever comes up that feels good that's your message. And this is a practice that the more you practice it, the more you will tune into that messaging coming through you. So like yesterday, when that lizard came up, you know, synchronicities are always signs. Like it's, this is my belief system again, this is woo, but Hey, what if synchronicities, what if when you meet a stranger and they they have the same birthday as you, or you look down and it's always 11, 11. And I mean, what if 
there really was some grand orchestration that really had your highest good. What if everything was really here to work for your benefit? And this is my belief system. What if every little lizard that showed up in your kitchen or, you know, animal that crawled on your windowsill or, or, you know, came up to you when you were walking or butterfly that landed on your car window? What if it all really was here to help you know that you're here to serve a beautiful purpose and that you're called here on a soul level and that you have a spirit team around you that loves you and that you're meant to keep going and to keep growing and that you have a whole team cheering for you and, and all the animals are in on it. And what <laughs> if like, I'm like, see, I've got chill bumps all over. Like, yeah. I'm like, so that's how I walk and breathe in my life. And it, it is so much fun to interpret gifts like that. So that's a little woo hack that I would, that I would give you. And lastly, I would have you pay attention to <clears throat> this whole thing about sound therapy has come out right now. You can tune into, you can just Google it or go into YouTube and um, sound bowls. So I have sound bowls all over. If you saw my other shelves, there's a bunch of them over here. Um, they've shown how much sound therapy will just open just, even if you don't even know what the heck's going on, you don't have to know your body will tune in. So sound bowls, there are frequencies that attune to different systems. There's a heart frequency, there's healing frequencies. There, there, there are so many and whatever you're having, whatever you really want, like healing with, jump over to YouTube. It's free. And just put in like healing heart. And then just type in Hertz, H-E-R-Z. It, it, it means frequency. And you will pull up some type of sound bowl bath. I'm just giving you something very simple. You can do lay down on your bed, take some deep breaths and just play that and just take a deep breath and be really present to that frequency because what they are showing is that those, the frequencies of those sounds when they're tuned and there's, there's a range of them, it's beautiful. It will tune into whatever part of you that's asking for healing. And if you can be in a place of allowance and just picture white light around you, you can be Catholic, you can be Presbyterian, you can be Jewish, you can be agnostic. It doesn't matter. Just this is earth and air energy and sound energy working with you. And you are meant to be in a healthy state. You are meant to be toxin-free. You're meant to be whole and healthy. That is your natural state of being. And so when you're intentionally just putting these little things into your life, playing games with your imagination, what if breathing in these sounds, taking deep breaths, you're playing a part in your own well-being. And you have a part of you that wants you to raise in consciousness, raise in, raise in health, and it will cooperate whether you know it's happening or not on a soul level. And I will promise you that within a day, within a week, within three weeks of practicing this, you're going to draw other people into your life. You're going to be in the store. And I swear to God, you're going to hear someone talk about sound bowls and you're going to be like, oh my God, that is so weird. <laughs> and, and you're going to start attracting people and your curiosity and openness about that is going to draw people into your life and experiences that are going to affirm what is right for you. And it is going to enhance your experiencing your experience of this life in mm. such a way. Yeah. Oh, I love that one, Karen. And I gave my brother-in-law a sound bowl for Christmas last year. <gasps> See, I love that. You are more <laughs> woo than you're letting on. <laughs> it's, it's so easy and it's so true. And everyone, I mean, people that don't believe it, it doesn't even matter your belief. It's just, it, it's, it's meant to, that your body is meant to um, work with air and wind and water and all of those elements of the earth. I mean, they're, they're not just here by chance. They're here to serve you. All this toxicity that we have is here to block you. 
And um, when you can realign yourself with what is pure and what is real, go stand in a creek, go stand in your creek and just lift your arms up and just take deep breaths. You don't even have to call on anything. You've got your soul will, will do it for you. And just that openness, just saying, I'm, I'm here. Like, just show me. That's what I say every day. Just show me, just show me <laughs> the words and the next steps. And, and then I stay open and I take action, right? Yeah. Like yeah, I take yeah. action. It's mm. not going to just happen for you. So do yourself a favor and take those actions. And that love resonance will be all over you. And people are going to notice a difference. And you're going to just attract so much more of that right back to you. Mm, Love it. Oh my gosh. What a great place to have arrived. Thank you so much, Karen. I loved this conversation. I know people listening will have as well. Uh, We've got a stack of ways that people can connect with you in the show notes. uh, And uh, I'm loving the work you're doing. It's a joy to watch your content. You know, I always say to people in my community, especially In the complex chronic illness space, we're dealing with a lot of people realizing this modern world is toxic for our archaic biology. And that's a journey as well. But I genuinely believe the journey of um, starting to realize the potential of us is, um, and, and the life that we get to live is just so, such powerful work in the scheme of um, healing and repair on a personal and collective level. So I appreciate the work you do within that. Mm, Thank you. That was beautifully summarized. Well, thank you so much for opening up the window to a little bit more of a woo conversation. I'm hoping over time, this just, and and we say that in jest, I mean, we're both smiling and laughing because it it, it is becoming more normalized as people are realizing that it's actually, they're, they're, I'm loving that they're able to measure it and prove it. So thank you for opening up this conversation, allowing me to be here. It was a blessing. Oh, you are welcome. And that is today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder, we have so many fantastic shows in our archives these days. If this particular topic was helpful to you, head over to lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and click on the podcast directory, which gives you food, body, home, mind, and environmental health topics segmented so you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and head straight to what you want. A reminder, we also have 10 fabulous e-courses that I've written with various doctors, naturopaths, health professionals, and experts over the years to support you on your low-tox journey, whether it's making daily swaps, getting ready to make babies, looking after your inflammation, you can hit the courses tab on lowtoxlife.com to explore those. And lastly, I would love to meet you on socials. Go and head over to at lowtoxlife on Instagram or find us on Facebook. It's always such a pleasure to chat and see how you guys are going when you share favorite shows and share them with your friends. I absolutely love that. A little reminder, of course, that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice. They are intended to open the minds and hearts of people and maybe help you explore something you hadn't considered yet, but please always check in with your health professional. And one last little request, if you have time to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would just mean the world to me because it helps us get out there and have other people have confidence that that thing they're considering pressing play on is absolutely worth it. I'll catch you for the next show you tune into. Thanks for joining me again. This is Alex Stewart, founder of Lotox Life.